Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Sinopore. I'm your host for tonight, Zhixuan. Our theme for today is Shanghai from 1995 to 2021 from the eyes of a Singaporean. And we are very honored to have our special guest, Henry, here. Welcome, Henry. Hello, Zhixuan. It's nice meeting you here. Hello, everyone. Nice to meet you. So um, here's a bio of Henry. Henry is among the early batch of Singaporean entrepreneurs who moved to China following the reform and opening up. He first visited Shanghai when he worked for an MNC after his uni in 1995. And 10 years later, in 2005, Henry set up his own company doing international trading with European and American companies. He later sold up his company after 10 years and went back to corporate life. He's now working as a managing director for European MNCs as a managing director in Greater China Region. Harry is also currently serving as a member of Xinjiang Shanghai Executive Committee. Welcome again, Harry. Hi. Hi, Jishu. Thanks. So, Thanks for inviting me on board. Yeah, we are very, very happy to have you here. And we are actually very interested in your life story. And we have tons of questions. So here is the very first one. What brought you to Shanghai in 1995? Because from my personal understanding, I know that you family have been running business in, in Singapore for a very long time. And it seems natural for you to just settle in Singapore and doing business in Singapore. So what actually brought you to Shanghai? And, um, you know, what really attracted you here? Uh, yes, I actually started off uh, working in the family business in uh, setting up the export department uh, during that time. And uh, first year into my uh, my export business, uh, I actually had the chance to come to Shanghai to visit uh, one of the factories uh, uh, run by our Taiwanese partner, uh, uh, during our export business, doing doing our export business uh, to Myanmar, which is also another interesting country during that time. So uh, when I actually I I vaguely remember when I actually first touched Tamo in Shanghai in nineteen ninety five. I just came in from Europe after a fair, so um, I'm been tired running running across um, transiting, and uh, touched down after uh, over ten over hours of flight, dead tired. But I've actually been amazed when I actually uh, landed in Hongqiao International Airport during that time. Uh, the 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 messy situation uh, in Chang- uh, in Shanghai, and going on through all the chaotic situation, I was actually forced to say that hey, I have to actually buy uh, white hui chen. So mm-hmm. I would say, oh, what's that? Oh, that's actually the renminbi for the foreigners. So you have to actually to, to use it for you in China. I say, okay. So coming into coming out from the airport, I'm trying to get into the cab. So I actually find people coming around me and they say, hey, why we chill? Why renminbi? Yama? I'm like, okay. Um, so I actually managed to change a bit of renminbi from some of the guys and, and actually got in the cab to the to to the hotel. And that's where I actually got to understand during the, the first time in my life that a country actually have two currencies, one for the foreigner and one for the locals. So so mm-hmm. this is actually a very unique experience and cultural shock for me in 1995. And I think that this experience amazes me and I say that hey there's so much 
things I could learn from this country during that time. Because as I actually have, I have been studying Chinese all my life uh, since uh, mm. secondary school days. So I've Chinese, uh, chi studied Chinese history, Chinese literature, Chinese language. Um, then in, during my pre-U days and even my uni days. So, but all this doesn't prepare me mm. of my mindset when I first touched down in Shanghai. So for me, yeah. what I have learned in the past only bring me a language that I'm able to communicate. But mentally, I'm actually not prepared during that time. So uh, I went through the, the cultural in, uh, difference uh, impact during during this period of time and I say say hey this is such an interesting country I think that in in a certain part of my life I should actually spend some time down here which actually uh, in which it has proven that in in probably uh, 10 years later I really mm. actually started off my own business in, <laughs> in China and actually have been staying here since so yeah this is actually quite an interesting first-time experience in 1995 in Shanghai. Yeah, I, I mean, it's also really interesting for me as, to me as well, because I've never, as a Ling Ling Ho, I've never ever heard of things such as, you know, Wai Hui Quan. I've never, I didn't even know that this thing actually exists. So you mentioned that Wai Hui Quan was used at that point of time, or like Hongqiao Jichang was very chaotic, but... We all know that it's very different now. China has experienced a very a rapid phase of economic growth. So what's your opinion about Shanghai's speed of development? What are the opportunities that you encounter? Is it very difficult to keep up with, with its pace? Well, <clears throat> we are in 2021 now. And I try to think back, back on, I always actually joke to my friends right now in Shanghai or even my friends back in Singapore. If I actually have this, um, if I actually have this um, crystal ball that mm -hmm. I could see through when I actually first landed in Shanghai in 1995, mm -hmm. um, I probably actually would, would take a different kind of investment route <laughs> or even a clear <laughs> career path that I have right now. Uh, well, mm -hmm. well, let me actually elaborate on that. 1995, sure. when I actually first came to Shanghai, uh, probably uh, during that time, I would say that shortly after Yan'an Gaojiao was actually built, was just built. Wow. Um, Pudong is only a Dongfang Mingzhu. Wow. And with around Dongfang Mingzhu is all farmlands. Now so, it's all uh, <laughs> It's now wow. yeah. so, so during that time in 1995, you would never imagine that in probably 30, I mean, Pudong just celebrated Kaifa uh, 三十周年. You never actually, actually have expected uh, for such a short span of less than 50, I mean, 30 odd years. Um, Shanghai can evolve into an internationalized city. Mm. When I first landed in Shanghai in 1995, I never actually would have imagined that. I will actually say, 
say the same for all the foreigners landing in China in Shanghai during that time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think shortly, if I'm not wrong, my second trip or third trip to Shanghai, which is in 1996, <clears throat> mm-hmm. in 1996, I think Yonghan just opened. 1995, 1996, Yonghan just opened in Lu And we actually, I went, I was actually traveling to the factories uh, in Songjiang. So, so what happened was actually uh, when Yahan opened this was a massive traffic jam. But the traffic mm-hmm. jam is actually the, the horse cart and the cow cart of the farmers. Mm. So there are so little cars down there. So, so we are caught in this, this uh, within the, the cow carts and horse carts of the farmers and bicycle of the farmers. And oh my God, are you really talking Yohan about Shanghai? Yeah. <laughs> so, so in Pudong, in Pudong, and we're like, hmm. Okay, so it was like a, a, a very amazing sight during that time. And to, mm-hmm. to, to, to bring forward to where we are today, I mean, today, uh, when we go, Yahan is no longer around in Pudong, I think. Uh, looking at the surrounding during that time, you, you, you actually start thinking of yourself. If I actually have been in Shanghai investing during that time, what I, what will be the rip off or what are the profit and return of <laughs> investment true. that actually have came to us? I mean, we know that the new Shanghainese, the old Shanghainese, actually have went through different stages of uh uh Tian and actually yeah. with the, actually their asset asset enhancement during these times. Mm. So we would actually have said that mm, if we actually have invested during that time or if there's an opportunity for you to actually have yeah. this crystal ball to know that actually you should have invested. Mm, I should have retired by now. <laughs> so but anyway, <laughs> what happened, happened. So uh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's about it. But to, in short, yeah, I think that um, for any foreigners to, to, to see what happened when they first landed in 1995 in Shanghai, mm-hmm. And to see it has evolved into Shanghai now in 2021. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shanghai Definitely. is now voted the most mm. expensive city. It's even more expensive than Singapore. Yeah. And within a very short span of time, I think the, the, the development achievements mm-hmm. that this city uh, have achieved uh, yeah. is a phenomenal uh, I think I think probably actually once in a lifetime, I think till now, that yeah. we can observe in any of the city developments that we can observe in the history of human mankind. So I think that, um, yeah, I'm lucky that I'm able to be in this uh, era that actually have experienced through uh, this miracle, I would say. Uh, and I'm happy to be part of it right now, yes. Yeah, you mentioned that all the things just make me wonder. You know, all the things that you just mentioned is really foreign to me. Like when you talked about that, I was like, oh, is that Shanghai? That doesn't sound like Shanghai to me. Yeah, so it's really a period of miraculous growth. Um, can you just now you talked about the opportunity that you missed? And I actually a bit curious, uh, are there any like opportunity that you actually um like encounter and actually able to like caught it and also is it very difficult for you to really keep up with the pace mm. well 
I cannot actually answer that period of time during from 1995 to 2005 before I start my business because during mm-hmm. that time I'm actually working in the international market so I travel to different countries probably around 40 countries in the world mm-hmm. uh, doing business with the different kinds of um, different markets mm-hmm. well uh, I decided to actually to I think China really actually start booming and actually start connecting with the international market in probably late 1990s uh, early mm-hmm. 2000 when actually becomes very strong in this export oh. so i actually see that opportunity for me and uh, mm-hmm. after some considerations actually um working through um setting up different operations in different parts of the asia Asia Pacific regions I decided mm. and say hey why don't I give myself a chance to, mm. to come and actually seek this uh, opportunity in in China so mm. with I'm with that um ambition I actually packed my bags up with myself and um come to come to Guangdong province in 2005 to oh, set no. up my own yes to set up my own international trading business because i during that time in the early 2000s mm-hmm. um china is very lack of um bilingual uh people uh people who are quite bilingual um mm-hmm. both fluent in chinese and english mm-hmm. and i think the most important thing of all is actually um the mindset the mindset of um trying to to breach what the expectations of the outside world and the uh, and the local market so mm. so i kind of actually see that opportunity that after actually seeing the world i might be i might be in advantage in breaching this difference or rather mm. managing the expectations between the chinese and the world So I I took this plunge and I started my international trading business and in, in oh. Guangdong which is the manufacturing hub during that time for a lot of things for building materials yes. for xiaojiadian for electrical products uh for 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 a lot of things so so that's mm. actually where I first started my trading business and because my background is from the construction industry mm-hmm. so I actually first started up with the building materials actually working with the european um mm. so called home improvement centers and the american home improvement centers oh, so this is actually this is mm. actually how i actually get to start um so mm. what happened is actually during that time uh, we have we have actually experienced like um my european customer has said that hey i want to actually to buy this product for probably mm. around uh less than a dollar us then i have a shock in my life and say it's not possible because actually working in the same construction industry this mm. product might be selling probably around like 4 us dollars so there's no way that you can be getting around 1 us dollars yeah. so they say no 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 i can get it um, but you know i i'm not getting but for this price that i'm paying i'm not actually getting what i want I say okay, so let me actually have a study into that because he has an experience that when he opens up his container, when he actually arrives in Europe, uh, it 
instead of actually packing all those materials on the pallets, they actually stuffed the whole container with boxes. Oh. So he have a shock of his life and say, how am I, how in the hell am I going to unload this whole bloody container by manpower, oh. loading a box by box out of this container. But this hmm. was actually the export situation of the Chinese products during that time when actually the, the, the labor is so cheap in China, they actually loaded up the container in boxes by hand, hmm. not by forklift. Oh. So that's actually the, that's why I say the cultural difference between how Chinese work and how Europeans work. So the Chinese say that as long as I actually give you the whole container all stuffed up with my materials, I have mm. my job done. But when Europeans actually open the, up the container and say, hey, how the hell am I going to unload this container? They actually will have to scratch out here and say, hey, this is not the way that a sport business can be done. So our, actually, our, our way is to manage this expectation. So I went to the factory, study how they actually make the material and reported back to the Europeans and say, hey, in order actually to get to your standard, you must actually allow this, this, this to be done so that oh. there will be a cost added on. And I have to convince the Chinese to say that, hey, in order actually to do that, you need to manage this expectation. Then for some of the factories, where I actually talk to them and say, what's a pallet during that time? <laughs> they, they have no concept of, of packing a pallet. So we have to actually go mm. down to ground zero to actually to manage to go through with them the international standard during that time actually to slowly build up their awareness of sending out the goods which is usable or rather to, uh, uh, to be able to be used uh, that will create real value. So, so you actually raise the price or raise, uh, raise the price but also rising, managing this uh, uh, expectations equal to each other so the, the Europeans got to say hey okay in order to get what I want I need to pay a bit more and the Chinese say okay it's, it's, it's something that I must do to mm. get the loyalty of this customer so, so we mm. becomes a bridge in managing their expectation and convincing them and trust me this is a whole lot of job to be done <laughs> mm. <laughs> because when, when the Chinese will look at you blankly and say that hey uh, okay, so is that needs to be done and how it needs to be done. I mm. roughly know it's a bad. What's the exact protocol? So driving through down the basics, actually running through them, explaining to them uh, becomes mm. a, a very interesting challenge for me. So I always actually joke to my international customers that, mm -hmm. okay, buying during that time, buying Chinese products, okay, you have quality. Mm-hmm. You have the price, mm -hmm. and you have the the delivery timing. You choose two. Mm. You Impossible cannot choose triangle. three. <laughs> you, oh. you cannot choose three. Okay, choose two. Mm. Okay, so so this is actually how you managed uh, <laughs> their expectation because they will always think that oh, I want the cheapest. Mm. That's it. China it means the cheapest. So you can't. So they are that. coming here. Yeah. Uh, so it's yeah. like they, there there is a cultural gap, and you're sort of like the diplomat in the business world bridging the gap. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's very interesting because during that time mm. when I actually started on my business, I 
I also have to overcome a lot of expectations about how to export. So, so there's actually tui shui, there's uh, there's uh, fa piao, there's actually bao guan, there's everything starting from scratch. So, okay. So, it actually took me a lot of time to say, what the hell is that? And it's not like the normal as you actually grab the invoice, you can just export like that. So you you have to add all those things. Your costing needs to actually to to involve tui shui in that. So how do we manage that? So a lot of new tax, uh, new uh, taxation costing that we need to get involved in that to study that. Some of the custom clearance we need to go through that. So that actually managing that actually leads up to delivery timing. So I got mm. stuck. <laughs> I mean, for my first few delivery, I got stuck, and I uh, I have a very fortunate American friend who who actually is very accommodating with me during mm. that time starting the business and say, oh, okay, since it's delayed, it's delayed, but actually get your get your facts right. So uh, mm. I have to overcome a uh, certain learning curve in actually going through the mistakes. Uh, which causes the delay, and actually, uh, going through that, uh, you'll be probably after learning that geology mm. You you actually got to know. Oh, okay, this is how it needs to be done. So it actually took me around three to six months, in order actually to get, uh, the whole engine running smoothly. So so that's actually oh. a very big learning curve for me during that time in two thousand. Yeah. So, so, so yeah. Whatever you learned in school is far from enough to prepare your business life in China. Actually, you need to actually come to China and see what's out uh, out there, and to mm. get your hands on it in order to really start a business in China. But once you get over that curve, you're sort of like just being free and easy around. Hmm. I always believe in that. Is do this is always That's the case. True. What mm, actually brings I. what actually the Chinese? Uh, I always thought that you know in in Singapore, when we actually go through our education system, learning all the Chinese, you know, going through Chinese studies, we mm. um, did the first batch of bilingual, uh, a few first few batches of bilingual students coming through. I thought that we are over, we are prepared mm. to meet any challenges that we meet in China. This is not the mm-hmm. case. This is really not the case. I get to actually learn that language is only a bridge. That actually mm. is a is a tool for you to communicate. But mm. this tool is not enough. the The mindset, the mindset to cross the barrier, to link that, to build this bridge. It's mm. much more important. In order to actually to have these mindsets, you need to understand the requirements and desire from both sides. Working with them, their desire, their their bottom lines, their their expectations, managing their expectations. There is where you can start building business bridge. So this mm. is actually, I think, the the true hard lessons that I've actually learned over since in two thousand and five. So Henry, just now you mentioned that when you first came to China, you actually landed in Foshan, Guangdong, but then you moved to Shanghai. So what really attracts you to Shanghai? And is Shanghai a very unique city, very different from the other places in China that you've been visit?、Mm. Well, 
I was actually forced to choose Foshan as a base during that time doing international business because it's a manufacturing hub. Mm. Of course, during uh, during from two o five all the w- uh, way to two zero one five, I actually started perm- sold off the business. I actually started permanent shifting to Shanghai. Mm-hmm. I always visit Shanghai probably what five six times a year, uh, because m- most of the international companies actually have their regional offices in in, in Shanghai. So I have to actually to deal with them when traveling here, explaining to them in Shanghai. So I actually see how this city evolved. Of course, I mean, I have no choice because my supply chain is all in Foshan in the south. Mm. Um, and also the, the coastal area all the up, way up to Tangshan. But I still love this city a lot. So after normally after the meetings in, in Shanghai, I would like to always spend probably another one to two days in this city that actually... That will actually allows me to say, oh, it's an international city right oh. now. So when we are in Guangdong, we actually will actually choose either Hong Kong or Shanghai to actually to be exposed to say that, oh, there are foreigners here, there are foreign Western restaurants here, mm. you know, things like that. So, so it becomes actually say that it's, it makes us feel closer to home. Mm. So, uh, well, Shanghai is always a city that I have loved. And uh, and hope that one fine day that I will come, and in which I think this wish came true. <laughs> in two zero one five, yeah, the, during that time, there's actually the the. I mean, I I was actually looking at um, where my business growth is. My supply chain was getting a lot uh, longer because I actually because of the anti dumping environment in in uh, European and mm. America, uh, we have actually to move our supply chain, uh, not only from China to, to Southeast Asia, to Vietnam, Malaysia, mm. and later, to, later we have to move on to India. So I was actually looking at managing this long supply chain in different countries, with a lot of quality assurance team in different countries. And I, I, I think that the business, a very simple business model have become so much sophisticated mm. in order to do the just-in-time delivery. So for, for, for me, and during that time, I think that it's actually wise for me building the company to a certain level. Uh, it's beyond uh, uh, effort as a small SME can manage mm. uh, on a multinational supply chain level. So uh, opportunity came and offered on the table for me to sell away the business. And another offer came from Europe and said that, hey, you would like to, to actually uh, work for us as the managing director in, based in Shanghai. Uh, these two opportunities came <laughs> concurrently on the table. So I took a look at it and say, why not? So it's ah. away the business. And take on this plunge and actually came to Shanghai and joined this international city. So in 2015. So this is actually, uh, I kind of realized my dream to say that, mm. hey, I'm now back uh, into a property. In a city a, you love. In a city I love, in a more in, uh, internationalized city uh, that I can actually see, uh, be part of its fabric. Uh-huh. coming on years. So this is actually how I landed in Shanghai again. 
，So well, it turned 走回来 since nineteen ninety five. 对 ，and actually came back to Shanghai. 回到了原点 ，Yes. 二零幺五年，嗯 ，Yes. Can you share more about your life in Shanghai on since twenty fifteen? Right, it's been about six years already. What do you love the most about Shanghai? Well, I I mean when I first came to Shanghai, the familiarity of this internationalization comes back to me and say, hey, now I actually have、uh, this so called quality of life that I used to love to have. Ah,、uh-huh. uh, well, in in actually traveling in a lot of cities throughout the years, this over over since to I mean so many years in in China.、Mm. I find actually Shanghai has a very unique similarities,、mm-hmm. uh, as as the same as Singapore.、Mm-hmm. I think that actually, if you look at this city, how it developed. I mean, it used to be a colonized、uh, community uh, mm-hmm. country, uh, and actually evolved into an international city.、Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually, and also you see, can see that、uh, Shanghai, Shanghai is actually where. All the people, this social fabric is is like Singapore,、mm. like Singapore. Singapore is like where all the all the international people came together and actually become a melting pot. A and Shanghai is the same.、Mm. Yeah, it's it's the same. I mean, we 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 look at Haiphai Wenhua in Shanghai,、mm. and we actually look back in Singapore. We look back at our Peranakan culture.、Mm. Or、uh, rather, the 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 way how how Singapore、uh, culture has evolved, Singlish, you know, the kind of how we melt together, is is actually roughly the same. You you can see that we are building both cities are building a culture based on immigrants, and I think I think this is very interesting. This this is a very interesting.、Um, I mean, heritage that I think. It's been shared among the two cities,、mm. um, so you, actually you feel that the path they have taken in terms of development and growth is where I've seen Singapore.、Uh, it has actually it, it took the similar path. What I like about the city is the、mm. the the life. The people are keep on keep they are they are keeping on innovating, trying to find new ways. Uh, trying to embrace new ideas, trying to actually、uh, to to move ahead. The the the、mm. the effort in trying to move ahead, to innovate, to to do different from others, and always to improve themselves as a city. This this is something that I actually、mm. I enjoy a lot, in which I'm sometimes I felt worried about.、Uh, For Singapore. Singapore, yes. If actually、oh. we don't, if the pace that we are. We are if we are adopting now at this pace,、mm. and I look at the pace that this city is evolving. We have actually a very forbidden, uh, formidable, <laughs> uh, rival city. If we actually、mm-hmm. try、In、to competitive, we we try to compete. They have a bigger market. They are more internationalization.、Mm. We used to pride ourselves as an international city. I mean, this city is right now. 
sometimes I would say even more internationalized than us with a lot of foreigners coming to here, finding opportunities. So everyone knows that this is actually the next thing okay. uh, in the world. So, so I think with this, this few years, how this city has developed, embracing different cultures and moving ahead with uh, different cultures coming together and working together to improve this city in terms of the international process is really it's really amazing mm. so um, yeah i enjoy i mean really i enjoy this city also at the same time when you actually go on taobao or jingdong you actually mm. can get your delivery next day early mm. morning when you wake mm. up so we do not have this convenience at also this speed uh, in singapore not only in Singapore, in the rest of the world. I mean, mm, that's let's, true. let's put it this way. Yeah, so, so the convenience of the city, the speed of the city, the heartbeat of the city actually is something that is holding me back, uh, holding mm. me on, rather not holding me back, holding me on to see what's going to happen in the to city. the next evolution mm. of the city. So this is actually quite interesting and I'd be, I'd be happy. To actually mm. to be part of it, actually probably within the next 10 years, definitely for sure. Yeah, so you've mentioned that Singapore and Shanghai actually share a lot of similarities, which sort of originally attracts you to Shanghai. But later when you settle in Shanghai, you realize that actually Shanghai, in some sense, um, have certain edges. Um, that Singapore doesn't really have. Since you mentioned this topic, then I'm a bit curious at what what in your opinion, can Singapore learn from Shanghai and vice versa? I still believe that Singapore has some of its competitive edge as compared to Shanghai, as what I said earlier on. <clears throat> uh, Singapore actually have the, Singapore still actually have uh, its competitive advantage in terms of uh, capital flow and mm -hmm. um, the government regulation is more regulated mm -hmm. and also the, the, the international standing of a more neutral ground uh, to, 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 to connect the world. While Shanghai, while Shanghai been, been as internationalized as it is, it's still part of the greater China. It's still part of China. So, so when actually you deal with that, um, so sometimes... Um, the outside world will not see Shanghai more independently as it is. Mm -hmm. So Singapore can actually become a bridge again <laughs> in this circumstances. You actually have seen that recently Chinese internationals are trying to actually to split their business into two main parts. One is mainly on the domestic part and one is on the international part. Mm. So you actually see TikTok, you see Alibaba, you see, see Baidu moving on shifting their regional centers into Singapore mm. and actually why they choose Singapore in outside China outside China is because actually of our neutrality and actually mm. our capability to bridge the world. Mm. So I think that looking at that we have to actually to leverage on this. And in order to leverage on this we need to understand the mindset of China mm. of the Chinese in order to work with them closely to carve a new message to the world. Mm -hmm. And this is very important for us because in order to actually to know that, to understand them, to, to convince them about 
the value proposition that they can offer to the world and also to re-carve a new value proposition of these Chinese corporates to the world and actually coming back into so-called our known parameters in the mm-hmm. business in the international world. I think that in this way, Singapore can be the bridge and be the place where, where the Chinese businesses, Chinese culture and Chinese, uh, Chinese people mm. can, uh, can interact or intertwine more closely into, into the international fabric. So this is actually how I see Singapore playing a very important role in this. And that's why in, that's why in these few years, well, working with the Singapore community in Shanghai, mm-hmm. I think our, our biggest uh, role is actually to bring the Singaporeans to know more about our Chinese counterparts uh, on the grassroots levels, to actually bring them closer from the youth to the business community to come together, make friends first, understand them first, become good friends first before we go hand in hand into the international market. And this this is what we want to achieve. Mm. That's, okay, it's really inspiring to hear your life story. Um, actually, that's all for our question, but I believe that for many of our audience who are also listening, uh, they may be intrigued as well. So if you have any question for Henry, please leave your words in the comment section below. Uh, thank you, Henry. Thank you. It's really our honor to have you here. Uh, and thank you for all you listening. And see you in the next episode. Thank you all. Thank you. Bye. Bye.